I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, what a weekend for Tampa Bay sports. You had the Tampa Bay Lightning taking a 3-1 lead in their best of seven series against Boston. And now they are one win away. Could get that tonight from the Eastern Conference Finals. The Rays sweep the Marlins, and now they own the best record in the American League. They also traded Jose Martinez to the Cubs for, and I love this, two players to be named later. And Tom Brady had a great scrimmage on Friday, but, man, his offense did not show up when they returned to practice on Sunday. Oh, yeah, and stop me if you've heard this before. The Bucks, they've got kicking problems. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. All I can remember uh, about the Lightning, uh, Steve, on Saturday was that they completely, I thought, dominated uh, the Boston Bruins to the point where um, I know Boston scored you know, late and, and sort of made a game of it. Um, but this Bruins team is not as good as the Tampa Bay Lightning. They clearly aren't that without Tuka Rask in particular. I, I think the Lightning have a great chance to, uh, to close this out uh, tonight and um, – you know, I, I, I guess Boston could show some fight, but, but this, this series is going the way it should go, and that is the Lightning are going to take it, and they're going to take it fairly easily, I think. Well, Boston will definitely show some fight, but here's what, here's what stood out in this series, and this, it has a lot of similarities back to the 2018 series they played in the second round as well. If you can shut down the Bergeron line, which is Bergeron, mm. Pasternak, and Marchand, if you can shut that line down, you can beat the Bruins particularly if you're a deep team like the Lightning and a fast team like the Lightning. And what happened in 2018, that series, is that line went off for, I believe, four goals in the first game, if I recall. I could be off on that. But they had a big first game, and Boston took that game 6-2. to two. The Lightning then figured out how to shut them down or contain them. And the Lightning then went on to win the next four games. In this series, that line had a very good first game, and the Boston Bruins won the first game of the series. Since then, Sorelli line, mostly, has been tasked with shutting that line down. And that line has not produced the same since then. And the Lightning have now won three games in a row. In this Mm -hmm. series, Boston has four even-strength goals in four games. The Lightning have 12. Wow. That's what you need to know right there. Boston's going to show fight tonight. And as long as the Lightning don't take some dumb penalties, don't get involved in, in if they start hitting or trying to go after the whistle, Stay away from it because if you don't give them power plays, you don't give the Bergeron line the power plays, the Lightning can shut them down tonight and win and take care of this in five games. And moreover, the the Boston Bruins have been the ones instigating a lot of these fights and getting mm-hmm. penalties on their side, and now the Lightning's power play has come alive. And, um, you know, the big story, of course, on Saturday was Nick Ritchie when he took a run uh, at Yanni Gord and got the five-minute uh, uh, penalty and – it looked like the Lightning weren't going to take advantage of that. They finally do score. And that more or less, I think, put the game away. Uh, mm-hmm. And it also it also just showed that the Lightning were very disciplined at that point. Now, I know you know later uh, Barclay Goodrow went, went after Richie a little bit mm-hmm. um, after the case was settled. By the way, 
I don't know what you thought of the hit. I mean, it looked like, you know, that puck was down the ice quite a while. And, you know, clearly Gord was not expecting uh, Richie to blast him, you know, shoulder uh, to the back of of his body there into the boards. But the NHL has decided um, that uh, Richie will not be suspended. I guess, I don't know, if this happens during the regular season, do they they think differently of it? I mean, it's hard to get suspended sometimes in the postseason. I think think being the postseason had something to do with it. I think the fact he got a five-minute major Mm. had something to do with it. And the fact Yanni Gord came back and played the third period had something to do with it. Now, you know, after the game, Bruce Cassidy, the Boston coach, came out and said, Gord's a clever player, and he played the third period without any problems. And he was laying the groundwork of he does not deserve to be suspended. Right. You'll notice in Cassidy's comments, he never said it was a, it, it was a didn't say he faked it. It was a good hit. He never said he never defended Richie in it. Right. It was all about I'm trying to avoid a suspension. So, I, I, you know, Gord was fine. He, you know, th- that was the angle he took because the hurt hit was dirty. It was very mm-hmm. late. Um, the officials didn't even see it in real time. There was no penalty called. When it happened, right. no, they had to go look at it. It yeah. was so f- it, the puck was so far up the ice, nobody was looking at that anymore. <laughs> no. The officials wise, I mean, it was once he was down on the ice, then they went and reviewed it, which they can do now. Seven major seconds, penalties. they said mm-hmm. after that, after that puck was gone. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a dirty. That's a dirty hit, and and that's that. Those are the hits that hockey's definitely trying to get rid of, and that can cause serious injury. I mean, I thought, I thought Yanni had a concussion. I mean, I, I I'm too. assuming they tested him for it. Well, yeah, and and they must have you know said it was no. I mean, it was either that or a shoulder or both. I mean, that's what you were fearing is it was, you had two things going on. Yeah. Um, definitely a dirty hit. Uh, Goodrow's had many fights with Boston this year. Uh, he fought uh, Nick Ritchie's brother, who plays for Boston, who's now on the AHL team. He fought him when he was with San Jose earlier this season. Um, then he had a, a fight, uh, what was it, in the, the game in Boston. Uh, I'm trying to remember who he fought right before the pause when they played in Boston, that very physical game. And now Goodrow's fighting Richie now. So, I mean, he's been a, a welcome addition in that. Um, but, yeah, that was a very dirty hit on Nick Richie. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, the, first of all, the Lightning, they would benefit from closing out this series now, right? I mean, you get get some more time off. Actually, I we talked about this before the game that uh, with the protests and, and um, the schedule being moved back, that that might actually favor Boston. I don't know if it did or it didn't. It gave them an extra day to, you know, to sort of, digest and bury the uh you know the seven to one loss well in reality it only was pushed back what 16 17 hours 16 17 I mean, hours that's we, right they you know, played at noon initially we thought maybe it would be pushed back to the sunday night would be the next one that's right um you know so it really didn't push it back too far um, right. so i don't know if there was any advantage in that regard but but the lightning and, and you mentioned that they kind of made it a game league they scored a goal in the third period but the last i believe seven minutes of the game the bruins had one shot on net you're down three two. You even played some some you know empty net time, so six on five, and you had one shot. I believe in the last five plus minutes you had zero shots on net. Yeah. I mean the lightning, the lightning in this Stood series, and, and Gene Romano or uh, Gene Romano, uh, John Romano, um, discussed or had this in his column today about how well, and we know the lightning can score goals, and they've led yes. the league in scoring the last three years. We know Andre Vasilevsky is a phenomenal goaltender, but the lightning defense. Is, is playing really well in this playoffs. And this includes the last couple games without Ryan McDonough, mm-hmm. you know, which is you know probably your second-best defenseman. He definitely well, is Braden, in terms Braden of minutes. Colburn. Yeah, mm-hmm. Colburn came in and has done great. Colburn's right. done great. Luke Shen has played very well. Shen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the defense, and, and, and when I say defense, it also includes the forwards coming back. I mean, yeah. I think Nikita Kucherov is having a great playoffs. 
He is. And he's not scoring as much as maybe some fans would like or whatever else. But if you see how he's engaged on the forecheck mm-hmm. and how he's playing responsible defense, yeah, he's made some turnovers in that. And, he, and a player like that's going to. You, you know, that's going to happen when you're that creative and that good. But look at the way he's played defense. Look at the way he's been engaged on the forecheck. He is into this playoffs right now, and that's a good sign right. for the Lightning, and that's one of the reasons they're rolling at this point. This is a totally different makeup, and I, I mean the, the the moves they made, the trades they made, everything you know seems to be, um, you know, coming up exactly as they would have hoped, and, and they just have a different fiber to them altogether. Had they lost Yanni Gordon, maybe that did affect the fact you know that there was no penalty or suspension on Richie, but he's been such a key player on that line, and mm-hmm. that line has been has been one that really no one can handle. Um, and, and so they're fortunate in that respect. Um, but but this is, and, and people have said it, I mean, when you watch this hockey team, they still have the skill. There's no doubt that they can get up and down the ice. And, you know, it'd be, of course, it'd be great if they had Steven Stamkos, especially on the power play and that sort of thing. Um, they're still very fast. But what they are, and you talked about the defense, I mean, that to me is the difference, right? And And just their ability to to overcome during a game, during a series, any adversity at all. Um, they just are made up different, and, and you got to credit the Lightning for the moves they've made. They're working out. Um, now, you know, they get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they'll, get a, they'll get another hockey team that's really, really good. I guess either, what, either the Flyers or the Islanders, right? Yeah, that's, that's who they're, they're actually, as we're taping this now, they're playing game four currently on mm-hmm. Sunday night. Um, the Islanders do lead that series two to one at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, I think they're in the second intermission right now. When I looked up, um, right? But yeah, I mean, assuming the Lightning go on, um, it's going to be you know, yeah. You're, I mean, you've got only good teams left now. Um, you know, every team that advanced this far is with the seventh, you know, with the top seven in their league, and in their conference in record right. points wise this season. So you didn't have any twelve seeds like Montreal make it this far, or that's right. You know, Chicago was the twelve seed. You know, these are all mm-hmm. these are all top teams. I mean, three of the four in each conference were in the top four. You know, right. they they played. They didn't play in the the play in round or whatever. They played in the round robin. Um, mm-hmm. Only one team from outside the round robin made the you know the conference semifinals. So. I mean, you know, you got all good teams. And, you know, Philly's probably got a little more offense. The Islanders have the best defense in, in remaining in the playoffs at this point. So, Yeah, well, it should be an exciting game five, and we'll see if uh, the Lightning can close that out tonight. Uh, we'll certainly talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. It'd be nice for Meanwhile, them to close it out and maybe have some rest before the next round. Yes. Um, and, would, and particularly maybe Ryan McDonough can be healthy to come back. Assuming he isn't tonight, we don't know his status at this point. But um, – you know, it'd be nice to get a little rest, and they're going to have to switch cities too. So the the mm-hmm. conference finals and the Stanley Cup's going to be played in Edmonton. So the two winners in the Eastern Conference that go on to the conference finals are going to have to travel to Edmonton at some point too. So, I wonder how thrilled they'll be to like to get out of one bubble and go into another one in a different city. If that yeah. would really make sense. At least or you have a different a hotel, hotel room. I mean, at least you have a different yeah, exactly. hotel room. I mean, you know, a little right? variety. <laughs> yeah, like when you look out the window, it's like I don't know, different yeah. trees or something. Although but I like, think yeah. I think some of the teams have moved rooms. Like I think um, the the um, I want to say the Islanders, who weren't in the top five teams in the East, they were the seventh seed, so they were at a different mm-hmm. hotel to start. I think they're in a different hotel now. They got to they the upgraded. conference because there's only four teams left, so they they left one of the hotels. They're only in one hotel now. I mean, when he had yeah. eight teams there, they couldn't all be in one hotel, so. Right. Um, so some teams have moved along the way, but I, b- I believe the Lightning have been in the same same spot the whole time. So, 
So they they went from uh, Motel Six all the way up to like uh, the Renaissance, exactly something like something that. Like that. Yeah. yeah, four seasons. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the way it goes. Um, always good to upgrade. Okay, let's talk about uh, boy. We got uh, Tampa Bay teams doing well everywhere because you know we maybe can have nice things. I don't want to say it just yet, but that's what people are telling me on Twitter. Um, the Rays swept the Marlins, and uh, they now own the best record in the American League. Um, this has been really amazing to watch. Uh, yet another pitcher, another pitcher, Steve, has uh, had a little bit of problems. Is <laughs> now out of the rotation. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. It's been amazing. What is it? Eighteen out of twenty-one games they've won now. Yeah, um, which yeah. in any season is phenomenal. Let alone a sixty-game season. Right. Um, you know, you've really set yourself. I mean, you're twenty-four and eleven through thirty-five games. You got twenty-five games left to play. That's tremendous. Right. I mean, and. Let's not forget you're playing the Yankees the next three nights. Mm-hmm. You sweep that series. You have a six-and-a-half game lead in the division. That's incredible. With tw- I mean, 22 hey. games to go. Now, I don't expect them to sweep it. They could, as hot as they are right now. But if right. you take two out of three, you're going to be four-and-a-half games up or more with twenty, just a little over 20 games to play. That's tremendous. Not much to go. Yeah. And, and they – okay, so here, here are the numbers. I mean, five-game winning streak now. For the Rays, um, they did match as you as you mentioned the, the best thirty five game start in franchise history. Albeit it's an abbreviated one, but it's still their first thirty five games. That high twenty four and eleven uh, mark in two thousand ten. They've now won. This is incredible. Eighteen of their past twenty one, and that is their best twenty one game stretch at any point in a season since two thousand and thirteen. Um, you know the, these numbers just keep keep popping up if you think about it they're on pace for 111 wins if this was a 162 yeah two weeks ago two weeks ago that's how fast things change the rays were third not second Mm -hmm. not first third in the american league east did you ever get your ankles out of the cast (laughs) wait a minute i'll get to that (laughs) they were trailing the yankees by two and a half games and since then they've won 12 out of 14 Uh, i mean Two two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I jumped off the bandwagon very publicly. Uh, both ankles were shattered. Um, I have I have been in my uh, you know on my crutches ever since. But I I am I am crawling my way back on top of this bandwagon because that's where I belong. That's where I started. If you recall, mm-hmm. you did. Don't you believe what I them said? To win the whole thing. I said they're going to win the World Series. So damn it, you know I should never have doubted myself or the Rays. But I did doubt the Rays. I shouldn't have doubted myself. Um, and uh, I, I'm back. I'm back in a big way. Now, this this series with the Yankees is very significant because this is the Yankees' chance to crawl back into it, right, mm-hmm. and see if they can't uh, take a little steam out of this Rays machine. Um, but it, it keeps rolling along, and the Yankees aren't playing all that well. The, the Mets gave them all kinds of trouble. Here's one thing I didn't understand that happened with the, with the Rays over the weekend. I didn't quite get the trade of Jose Martinez to the Cubs um, for two players to be named later, or cash considerations. Or, or well, okay. Well, we we always we always could use cash. I mean, yes. that makes sense. I, but I, um, I think they wanted to get a Rosarina up here. I, th- I think they did, and that gives them seven outfielders. <laughs> well. I mean, just I mean, how are you gonna? You know, can he pitch? I mean, I just don't understand how you're gonna play all these guys. But they managed to do it. You know, Kiermaier, who looked like he was going to be out for a little bit, he got back. He got well in a hurry, hit a home run mm-hmm. on on Sunday. Look, I th- I think some of his, you know, look, he, he played what seventeen games, thirteen at DH, so he's only played four games in the field. 
I got to imagine part of that is is they right. just didn't need a, a, a pure DH, which is basically the way they saw him for his defense. That's what they saw Martinez, yeah. You know, is that they just didn't think his defense was good enough. So let's get a, a guy up who can play better defense, and and we want to get some time and hit. So, um, well, I'll tell you who can you know, play defense and needs to DH all the time is Susugo. Yes, I don't think Yochi is very good you at third or first. Yeah, or well, yes, they, and, or and, maybe, outfield, and maybe that's part of this is is you know to give Yoshi more at bats at DH. You know, you've got to mm-hmm. you clear off that roster space so that he can spend more time at DH. You're not trying to put him in the field. And he hit a big home run, you know, for him on Sunday, mm-hmm. as did. How about the grand slam? How, and hey, well, Willie Adamas. You know what? We almost had another base running flub for this team. Willie Adamas almost passed <laughs> Sutsugo on the base pass for that. Granted, <laughs> came, it was questionable whether so close. whether Corey Dickerson caught the ball because it was in his glove or it hit his glove, and he never caught right. it. He thought it was in his glove. And so yeah. the runners were hesitant and and weren't sure, do I go back or whatever, and, and Adamas is in his strut, and he almost passed Sutsugo. Yeah, I credit Willie for realizing that. Yes. Though I don't know if somebody, you know, we don't know if somebody started yelling at him from the dugout, maybe. But all of a sudden, he actually pulled up and and put his hands up, like, "Hey, I don't want to go by this guy. You see, I'm not going by this guy." Yep. Uh, and they took took a look at it on on a replay. That would have been a, a, a hell of a way to lose a grand slam, by the way. <laughs> but they they you know they had this enormous lead and then then they gave a lot of it back. But they they wind up, uh, you know, the other the other games in this series were like unbelievably pitched games by both teams. I mm-hmm. mean, the runs were hard to come by until game three of this series. It was not one that uh, that allowed for a lot of offense. No, but the right, this, I mean, how they're doing it with the pitching staff right now is just, it's, you keep waiting for the wheels to fall off with the pitching staff. I mean, and, and they keep getting good effort. I mean, you know, Sunday, okay, they gave up seven runs after they had a huge lead, but, right. you know, it, it's it's really been the amount of arms they have and, the way they use them and put them in positions to succeed is just phenomenal with this team. I mean, it's it's incredible what they've done. Um, it really is. You know, I mean, you've got teams like, the, you know, the only team better than them in baseball right now is the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are, uh, what, 26-10. and 10. And, I, you know, reading an article in Sports Illustrated over the weekend about the Dodgers, and, you know, it basically said – yeah, they're 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 team down at the uh, on the farm, the you know wherever their practice facility is. That team could beat most of the teams in the National League. I mean, you know that's how loaded they are. And then you've got the Rays, who don't have necessarily the resources, but have built up a farm system that's that, despite all these pitchers on the injured list and not playing, are still winning games and are now you know won eighteen out of twenty one. Mm. I just think that. They're going to have to get some of these guys back. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's great what they've done. They lead, they lead the American League East, and that's a phenomenal accomplishment. And and we just noted, you know, the winning streaks that they've, the records they've matched in their own franchise. The thing is, are we really thinking that that this team is going to go very deep in a postseason, much less a World Series, if they have Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now, and that's it? Or are they going to have to get some starters back? I, th- I think you need some of these arms back. I mean, we know some of them are out for Tommy John, and you know aren't going to be back this year. But well, yes, they need a Charlie. They need Charlie Morton. They yeah. need, you know, yes. Some, but, but, but what you've done by building up this lead is a couple things. One, you can you don't have to rush those guys back either. No, you know, as no. as as pitchers are getting healthy, you don't have to rush them back because you're not. At this point, you're not struggling to make the playoffs or just trying to get in. I mean, you've built yourself right. a nice Barring a collapse, yes. that's right. Barring a collapse, they they know they're going to be in the postseason, and now it's a question of whether they have 
you know, the top seed in the American League right. or win or or if they're a division winner. That's really so they they are preparing in a sense while they still have games to play, they have to begin looking towards the postseason. Mm-hmm. Right. So they don't but they don't have to rush players back. You know, you can sit no. there you it's not like, hey, we we need Morton back now because he's got or you know, whoever because we right. know, we this, gotta have you pitch because we need this win. It's it, right. you know, you can bring them back when they're ready. You don't have to rush them. You don't have to make rash decisions. Um, yeah. You know, and you can try a few things down the stretch too because you've got a little bit of a cushion, particularly if you do very well against the Yankees this week. I mean, think mm-hmm. about this: the Yankees, the Yankees are playing the Rays, who are red hot. The Blue Jays are playing the Orioles, who are struggling. Mm-hmm. The Blue Jays are a game behind the Yankees. By the end of this series, Blue Jays may be in second place in the division, and the Yankees fighting for their playoff life. Now you still well, got twenty uh, games to go, but and, and the team, the team that the Rays have struggled with are the Blue Jays. They they yeah. struggled to contain that lineup. Yes, and they I struggle mean, with the Orioles. I don't who know are what this series now, is. I think it's pretty close. Yeah, well, but they're right. done with the Blue Jays yeah, for the year, though. True. So that the good thing is they're done with the Blue Jays for the year. They, they don't are. have to play them anymore. So they are. Just don't yeah. go to Camden Yards. They struggle there too. Right, right. I mean, it's a big it's a big series, and it's a bit, it's even bigger for the Yankees at this point. It's funny that uh, the people in New York are all gripping. You know, the uh, the Mets uh, were beating up on the Yankees a little bit. That certainly helped the Rays, uh, and now they got to play Tampa Bay. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, they've done a remarkable job. Look, Kevin Cash. We've talked about this. He just gets it. He just gets guys to buy in. He gets guys to play. The organization has found players. Um, they rarely miss. The guys they bring in have all been effective. Uh, the pitchers that they've started, the number of wins they've gotten out of different guys. I mean, it's all just a credit to the culture of that organization and Kevin Cash in particular. So uh, that'll be fun this week to see that series. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Meanwhile, I was out at a scrimmage um, speaking of the, the team that hasn't started, we're, we're just, uh, as, as we do this podcast, we're just two weeks away from the Bucks season opener. Can you, that just doesn't seem possible, right? The Bucks are going to be opening in New Orleans on September 13th with Tom Brady against Drew Brees. Remarkable that it's coming so fast. And um, they had their scrimmage on Friday. And this was, because there's no preseason, this is about as close to a preseason game as it could get, although they were playing each other, right? So um, it started out, 8.30 in the morning, whatever, um, you know, they had Blaine Gabbert in the number two offense going against the number one defense, and as you would expect, uh, the defense was dominant against against Blaine Gabbert's crew. Um, the first possession, they moved it to about the 50-yard line, and they, they actually, Bradley Pinion punted it down there to the two. And here comes Tom Brady onto the Raymond James soggy turf, and yes, it was soggy, uh, you know, in, for the first time, during a preseason anyway, in that stadium, uh, not a Patriot, leading the Buccaneers, and what does he do? 98 yards, 16 plays, touchdown. And it was a grind. And it was such a grind, and it was heat, it was hot, it was humid. Guys were, you know, guys were dropping out. Um, 
you know, and, and Brady was sort of trying to keep everybody up, but he did it with, you know, a mixture of passes, a lot of runs by Ronald Jones, who, who got a little nicked up in his ankle, but was back at practice on, on Sunday. So that was a good sign. Carlton Davis got hurt, though, uh, making a tackle. I think he uh, nicked up his shoulder a little bit. He did not practice Sunday, but was out running around and doing some things. Um, but overall, it was a, a pretty good day, both by the number one offense and the number the number one defense, which was was fairly dominant. I mean, Gabbert had a few plays in there, um, but you know, for the most part, and you saw Brady spread the ball around. I think he hit five different receivers on the first possession, uh, threw a touchdown pass, one yarder to Cameron Brate, scored on three of the four possessions, um, you know, including a field goal, uh, and we'll get to the field goal situation in a little bit. But then. You know, they come back after a day off, which be wary of the first practice after a day off. I don't know if the same is true with hockey or whatever, but um, certainly when they got, you know, back into the heat uh, at 8.30 in the morning, you know, on Sunday, uh, the energy was gone. The offense was horrific. I mean, terrible. And, And a lot of it has to do with the defense, which was just kind of fired up and still ready to go and, 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 you know, had a little adrenaline, I guess. Um, but they stoned them. I mean, Brady was intercepted three times. Uh, could have been, could have been more except one was ruled out of bounds and there were a ton of sacks. The protection was horrific. Um, some guys quit on routes, you know, in a red zone drill, Cameron Bray, you know, had two balls, either he dropped or had stripped away. Um, you know, OJ Howard ran a wrong route. I mean, it's just, it was one thing after another. They looked awful. And it was, it was, you know, as Bruce Arian said, he goes, well, it was, you know, they didn't make any plays. He said the red shirts, meaning the defense were just, they brought all the energy and they were all over us. Um, he said, but I guess they got to reading the, you know, their, their, he called it their clippings. It's an old school phrase, their clippings that they were a good offense. And so, you know, this, this brought them back down to earth. And, um, I don't think actually if they read anything, it was Bruce, uh, you know, throwing all the superlatives at everybody about the scrimmage, but they just weren't with it. And, and for the, and for the first time, I really got to see a little bit of, of the Tom Brady that you see during games, right? Cause Brady doesn't take any practices off. Like, you know, unless he's told to stand over there with no helmet, they don't give him a helmet. He can't practice. That's one thing. But when he's on the field, he wants to win every rep, every pat and go, every one-on-one, every seven-on-seven, and certainly every team drill he can. Um, and when he doesn't, he gets very frustrated, and it's visible. Uh, and so I saw him really not really lose his cool, but start to lose his cool on a couple players, uh, one in, 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 in protection because of a protection issue. Um, you know, uh, another one, you know, he had to go – out and talk to, to O.J. Howard about exactly how he should run this route in red zone. Um, and, you know, he was he was getting on some guys by name. You know, it wasn't the sort of the rah-rah build him up cheerleader Tom Brady that we've seen through camp. I mean, he was, he was very frustrated. And it was such a poor practice for the offense that I understand why. Like, I, I can't – I can't overestimate how bad this was. <laughs> I mean, there were fumbles – there were bad throws. Uh, it, it was ragtag. It was awful, and a lot of it had to do with the defense. You know, they couldn't block anybody. It was, it was really something. So, um, you know, I, I think that was. Uh, we'll, we'll see how they fight back. Usually, there's an ebb and flow to these practices. You know, the defense wins one day, the offense comes back, 
And maybe there was something to that, but um, there's also some warning signs. And, and I would just say, you know, it's a damn good thing that they weren't in the Superdome on Sunday instead of, you know, over at their own facility because had they shown up with that effort, they would have gotten beat about 45 to 7 and everybody would write them off on, after week one because you got – and that's just a sign that, you know, to their offense that you better be ready to play and you only have two weeks. And if you go out there with that effort and that lack of energy, uh, just imagine what the New Orleans Saints will do to you. And so I, I see, you know, some protection issues on this football team. You know, you go back and you think about the scrimmage and, yeah, they made plays, but did they really make plays? They couldn't hit the quarterback. So were there maybe a couple sacks in there or pressures where it might have gone a different way? Um, they didn't didn't protect him at all on Sunday. Um, you know, Ronald Jones, I mean, there was one play uh, in the practice where, you know, Tom was under duress and Jones was not the primary and, frankly, he was covered and he just stopped. He just quit running. <laughs> he just quit on the play. And Brady looked at him like, what are you doing? He screamed at him. It was like, you know, and, and that's the sort of thing where, you know, that that was sort of, I don't want to say acceptable, but it was kind of a standard around here, you know, for too many years. And and Brady's not going to let them let them get away with that. So again, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I nervous time is what you have over there right now because um, they're hoping to get nobody hurt. That's first and foremost. Um, the 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 game is coming soon. Now they'll, you know, starting today we're only going to have an opportunity to, to view the first 30 minutes, which is basically guys stretching, right, and some some special team stuff, which is nothing. Uh, and then we won't see them practice again um, the rest of the year. We just, you know, every day it's we can take roles, see who's there, see who's hurt, blah, 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 talk to the coach afterwards. But they're, they're really getting into New Orleans mode now, and they'll start to begin to build a game plan that's specific for the Saints. But what we don't know is part of that game plan going to include Matt Gay, Unbelievably, we are back in the, you know, kicking carousel. It's begun to spin again. Well, I think we have a tweet that sums it up best. Yes. Good friend Brian tweeted us. He -hmm. says, in an otherwise unique 2020, isn't it nice to see the Bucks trying out two more kickers and having another kicking battle going into the season, just for some normalcy? (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Matter of fact, it was. Um it was so normal. I mean, I was out there. I damn near took off my mask when I realized that this is what was happening. I mean, it, um, it, it's, you know, and I saw it coming. I saw it coming, and, and I think everybody kind of did. I mean, you know, Gay, at the end of last year, you remember, um, he missed his last three field goals all against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, all inside 50 yards. The last one, I think, it was around 34. If he makes any of those, the game doesn't go to overtime. Jameis Winston doesn't throw the walk-off pick. And who knows, maybe he's the quarterback still here. Uh, that That's how, you know, and, and he went he went in the tank pretty fast, um, Gay did, at the end of the season. After, you know, of course, the cataclysmic miss against the New York Giants, uh, you know, that cost him that game in overtime or at the end of regulation. And I just think that he recovered from that. But as the season wore on, he got worse. And so, you know, I mean, they bring in Elliot Fry to compete with him, quote unquote, compete with him. And Elliot Fry, you know, has bounced around to a few teams in the NFL. Played for Steve Spurrier uh, in the old, uh, what was it, the AAF, I think, American Association of Football. 
um, kid from South Carolina. And, and that's typical of kickers. It's a nomadic thing, right? If you're not in the league, you're trying out for somebody. And so they bring him in. And I would say the first week he was pretty even with Gay, who wasn't that spectacular. But Fry has taken a decided, you know, turn for the worst. Um, and it was Friday uh, in the scrimmage. He uh, First time down after Tom's 98-yard touchdown drive, he doinks one off the left upright on the extra point. That is not a way to ingratiate yourself with Bruce Arians is to go inside that stadium where Matt Gay missed all those kicks and doink your first extra point right off off the upright. He later missed, uh, I think, a 49-yard field goal. Gay made both of his in the stadium, which was the first kicks he made you know, since all those misses. And all of them, by the way, his misses are in the south end zone. He has some mental situation going with that. I know there's, you know, people talk about the gusts of winds and things like that. And and there's some truth to that. But for the most part, um, you know, it, it's it just wasn't a good season for him all in all. And so he says, you know, he's gone back. He, we got to talk to him a little bit on Sunday, and he simplified sort of his approach or his swing. And all that sounds great, but can you kick it through the uprights? Um, and so just for good measure <laughs> – the Bucks have decided to try out, uh, and these guys are in, are in uh, coronavirus protocol, and, and they have to go through that before they can try out. Ryan Suckup, who is a longtime Titans kicker, and Cody Parkey. Remember Cody Parkey? If you're if you know any Chicago Bears fans, or you're from the Midwest, you remember Cody Parkey had the double doinker, I think, uh, in the wild card game against the Eagles in 2018, with five seconds left, and that became like a 15-14 loss to the Bears or for the Bears against the Eagles uh, that year. And, and so his name, I mean, is is there in uh, in Bears lore for sure. Um, so those two guys are, are the ones they brought in now. Um, you know, Suckup was, has been a great kicker throughout his career. He got injured, and I think um, he was on the, uh, the IR twice a year ago with the Titans because I think they tried to bring him back a little too fast. I don't think his knee was quite right. Now he's had a year if he's healthy. Uh, he's been a very consistent kicker. It doesn't seem to matter, though, because Nick Folk was a consistent kicker before he got here, uh, and everybody kind of ends up turning sour. It's the curse of, of the Bucks kickers, right? Um, but they are, uh, I think they're bound and determined to at least put some pressure on Matt Gay, if nothing else. I mean, you can forgive it. Elliot Fry is not making this football team. Um, but if they sign one of these guys and they'll cut Fry, um, you know, this somebody may have a week or so to uh, to knock him out of that job. And I, I just think that I, I just think that you know Bruce Arians doesn't have any faith in him. Doesn't have doesn't trust him. And here's what he wants. I asked him. I said, Bruce, what do you want other than the guy to make all the field goals? He goes, Look, he goes, I want I want the gimmies. You know, I want somebody who can make the gimmies inside of 40 yards, you know, extra points. Like, we can't give away points that are there for us to take. Nothing demoralizes an offense more than to drive the length of the field, get to the 10-yard line, have to try a field goal, and miss it, you know. And and he says, you know, if you kick a 53 or 56-yarder, great. That's awesome. You know, you're probably going to go to the Pro Bowl. He said, but just give me the guy that can make the field goals or supposed to make, you know. And... And that's it's a reasonable request, but I don't think that that is what Matt has shown he can do yet. Um, and so, look, they're not. We know this. They're not afraid to pull the trigger. I mean, they've had like twelve kickers, or this is probably now thirteen 
or so going on since like 2009 where the curse of Matt Bryant began when Mark Dominic cut him. Um, so, I mean, can you? I know what he's thinking. He's thinking we're going to go into a game, maybe in New Orleans, and it could come down to a pressure kick, and it could be an extra point, or it could be a 34-yarder, and I don't know if Matt Gay's going to make it. I don't know. And that's the worst feeling in the world if you're, if you're a head coach. So here's the other question I kept getting on Twitter. Why don't they bring in Steven Guskowski? <laughs> because, I mean, you would think a friend of Brady is out there, right? The FOBs, they got to be out there. Um, and, in fact, Guskowski, who, you know, had had some injuries, he's going to kick, I think, in a tryout with the Titans. So maybe it's because, you know, he has a little cachet and, and a resume and, if he's healthy and he and he kicks well, um, maybe he'll cost you know more money than the Bucks have or are willing to part with. Um, but I don't think this is over. Like when I talk to Arians, I go like, "You're going to bring in some other kickers." He goes, "Yeah," and he laughed. And he goes, "If I'll sign with other teams first, well, I don't think suck up and or Parky are going to sign with other teams. Maybe he's talking about Stephen Guskowski, who is again supposed to go to Tennessee with John Robinson, the former Bucks assistant GM, and work out for the Titans. So. Really, something to watch out there, man. I, I just this kicking thing. It, it's, it is. He's the guy's right on Twitter. It, it's, it's just a reminder of where we were before the world changed. I mean, everything is normal. If the Bucks have a kicking problem. All right, so we got another busy week ahead of us. Uh, tomorrow we'll recap tonight's Lightning Game Five against the Boston Bruins. Maybe they'll have a chance to uh, wrap up that series and get some rest before the Eastern Conference Finals. The Rays and Yankees, as we mentioned, begin their series as well. And more fun at the Buccaneers practice. We'll tell you if uh, any kickers show up. And also this week we're going to have Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, and now with the Pointer Institute. He'll be along during this week, so we appreciate you guys listening. We're here every Monday through Friday. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.